But I want to talk a little bit as we go into Encounter Weekend, and I only have just a few moments about battle before a breakthrough. Battle before a breakthrough. I need to tell you something, that before you get breakthrough in your life, you're going to face a battle. I, I hate to tell you that. I know it's not good news. You've heard me say before, I love to purchase the books at Barnes & Noble that are entitled The Ten Easy Steps To. Those books always sell well. The Ten Easy Steps To Prosperity. The Ten Easy Steps To Your Promise. The Ten Easy Steps to success. Oh, if it were only true. I told people that my book that I'm going to write is the 10 gut-wrenching, sweaty, hard, nearly kill me steps to get to a destiny. And the reason oftentimes it's like that is because God is forging things in you. And, and the second reason is because the enemy does not want you in God's plan. And he will do anything he can in order to stop you. Listen, the moment you accept Jesus and, and the, de the deception blinders are pulled off and you see the light of God's plan of salvation and you say yes to Jesus, at that moment, you know the enemy loses at that moment. And the only thing he has left is to confuse you and to thwart you and to hinder you and to do whatever he can to discourage you and weary you. And just try to make it so rough that it, you just are finally taken out. That's why the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing. I mean, if that verse is in there, that means what? It is possible to get weary. So we've got to understand that there's going to be some battles before breakthrough. And anytime you pursue something in God, whether you're pursuing your, your promise or your healing, maybe your personal wholeness, you're going to be in a fight. The enemy doesn't give ground easily. Uh, people who stand still, churches of the status quo, let me tell you something, they don't have battles like you and I face. If, if, if people are just going to sit where they are and go no further, they're not going to fight like you fight. And if you try to measure your life by your unsaved co-workers or your unsaved friends or family members, if you try to measure your life by other folks that aren't interested in God and why don't they face what I face and it seems like life's so good for them, if that's how you're measuring things, I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're using the wrong measuring stick because if they're just sitting on their blessed assurance... And they're not going forward in God or want anything from God. The enemy doesn't have to worry about them. He can just keep hands off and say, I can spend all my time working on people who are trying to press forward. And so that's why there's challenges and that's why there's, there's battles. Now, uh, there are some remarkable passages in Deuteronomy 7. I'm not going to read all of these, but I've got to read just a couple of them just to get it into your system. Deuteronomy 7, I'm only going to read a couple verses, not all 11. It says... When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he's talking to the Israelites and he's talking about their promise. When the Lord brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, listen, he says, you shall conquer them. And what? Utterly, say that, utterly destroy utterly destroy you shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them 
He goes on to say, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their son nor take their daughter for your son. For it says they'll turn your sons away from following me. That's why that's why Paul would later say in the New Testament, don't yoke yourself to darkness. Don't yoke yourself to unbelievers. This is exactly what happens. It says they'll turn you away to other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And then in Psalm 144, I'm not going to read, like I said, all 11 passages. Basically, it was God's command to go through the land and make sure to, they rooted out every uh, possible enemy. Psalm 144, verse 1. And again, I'm just speaking a word before our encounter weekend. Psalm 144, 1. It says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for what? What's he trained you for again? Isn't that amazing? He's trained your hands for war and my fingers for battle. I put it on the screen. This is the key right here. You may want to write it down. When it comes to battling before your breakthrough, make no compromises. And there is to be no mercy on the works of the enemy. No mercy on the works of the enemy. Many people don't understand these Old Testament passages because they appear violent and brutal, hard and unmerciful. And whenever people are trying to snag you or make you trip up, they'll always throw out verses like these and they'll say, see, your God is violent and he's this and he's that. And people use these verses to illustrate really the, the meanness of God because we don't understand how God could have commanded these things. But, but if you could just understand the Middle Eastern mindset and, and they face these things to this very day because Joshua and the Israelites did not go into the land and cleanse the land from all of these enemies because they didn't cleanse the land and they negotiated treaties with them to this very day, 4,000 years later, they're still fussing in the Middle East. Is that not true? It, they wouldn't have this fussing if they had just cleansed the land back in those days. And God told them, if you don't root it out, if you don't cleanse it out, all the days of your life, you're going to be in a battle. Well, it's a great illustration for you and I. If you don't get yourself cleansed, if you don't cleanse the enemy out of your life, if you decide you're going to make treaties, if you're going to negotiate, if you're just going to let him deal with a little bit of your life, but you're not going to let him deal with this part of your life, let me tell you, you're going to be no better than the Jews are right now in the Middle East. You're going to have your own personal Middle East inside of you. Because you've made treaties and these treaties never stand. Now, we have to understand this in light of the New Testament. And so there are just several things I want to share in the 12 minutes I have left. And we're just going to go through this real quickly. Write these down. It's getting us prepared for Encounter Weekend. Number one, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says that we battle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, uh, with world forces of darkness and with spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I understand that the devil uses people. And so oftentimes when we're getting hassled, it's because there's people on the scene. And our problem is, is that we see the people, but we don't understand that there's a spirit behind the people. And so we've got to try to keep loving people, but at the same time realizing that as we're loving people, there's a devil behind that. 
doing things that is hassling and causing upheaval in our life. And that's why we've oftentimes said, I can love the sinner, but I can hate the sin. I love sinners and I hate the spirit that's inside of them. That's controlling their actions and activities, what they say, how they live, even their sinful bondages. I can love them as people, but, but I, don't, I don't cut a treaty with the spirit that's inside of them. And so we've got to begin to see that in people. We com- we're compassionate with people. But at the same time, we dig in when it comes to battling those spirits. Number two, destiny or promise does not come without a fight. I'm just going to tell you this right now. I, the other day I was on a phone call with some pastors and just sharing with them. And, and, and we take turns sharing precepts. And I was telling them on the phone, I said, guys, if you're like me, maybe you've gone to conferences and you've listened to these big time speakers and they'll tell you about how favored they were and how God did this and did that. And it seems like God's just moving on the ministry all the time and in their life. And it seems so easy and they'll teach these favor passages. I'm just I'm just going to come up and bear my soul and tell you that everything I've gotten from God, it's taken a fight. I mean, I have wrestled with the devil for every inch I've ever gotten. And I just want you to know, destiny does not come without a fight. It didn't come without a fight for the children of Israel. God gave them a promise. All that land was theirs, but it was filled with what? With giants. And God said, it's all yours, but you got to go fight for it. And that's what he says to you right now, whether it's your personal wholeness whether it's, it's prospering your hand, healing your body, whether it's delivering you from some issue, whatever it is that God has promised, it isn't going to come without a fight. You know, um, James, it's interesting, James 4, 6, and 7, it says this, it says, submit to God, and then it says, resist the devil, and he'll do what? Resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm going to share this with you. It's time we got a resistance movement. In the church, I mean, I mean, the church of Charleston and I know churches in all over America, it seems like they've signed some sort of treaty or pact with the devil. It's like this non-aggression treaty. I'm here to tell you that that uh, it's time we got a resistance movement going on. Uh, I remember years ago I was visiting with the pastor and he was telling me how uh, there was a woman that came into his church and. She was bound with certain uh, addictions and bondages and and she was sleeping with her boyfriend and involved in occult activity. And and she just had really a dysfunctional life, probably at some of the highest levels. And I asked him, I said, well, what did what did you do for when she came? And he said, well, I didn't know really what to do. So I just got her a gift card at the Christian bookstore so she could go get some books. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's really important. Devils don't move for gift cards. You can't show your gift card and, and, and that spirit's going to move. In fact, Matthew eleven twelve says that the, the kingdom comes by violence and the violent take it by force. There's a, there's a spiritual violence. Now, again, I'm not talking about a natural violence. We're not, we're not shooting people or we're not physically hitting on people, but there's a spiritual violence that happens when we contend with the enemy. And there's a legitimate place to get angry and violent with the enemy in the kingdom of God. The Lord is a warrior. Number three, we've already mentioned this. There's no compromise with an enemy. 
Don't you compromise with the enemy. Quit trying to cut deals with the enemy. I've seen people that are addicted to alcohol and, and instead of breaking free from that devilish spirit, they want to continue to go and then, well, I'll just, I'll drink in moderation. See, you're cutting a deal with the devil right there. You're cutting a deal with him. I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't cut deals with him. You, you've got to, you've got to set yourself free, break free from that. I mean, I, you know, people are susceptible to movies and television and, and they'll say, well, I just, I'll watch less bad stuff. Well, don't watch less bad stuff. How about watching no bad stuff? All right. Get out of the less stuff. It's Christians. You know, I hear this all the time and, and, and I understand that life, and, and again, I'm just preparing us that life has to be lived in a certain way where some things we do have to look at in moderation. But I am tired of people sinning in moderation. Be, and because they think it's moderation, it's cool. I'm telling you, moderation oftentimes is a treaty with the enemy. You know, I'll just gossip less. Well, no, don't gossip less. Don't gossip at all. Well, I'll be negative less. I'm just going to work at being less negative. No, don't work at being less negative. Get that negative devil out of you. All right. I'm going to be jealous less. No, we're going to cast that thing out of you. Don't be less. Be free. Amen. It doesn't say uh, it, it says that it, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you do it less. That's not what the scripture says. It says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. All right. Amen. Number four, you got to get to the root. You got to get to the root of the issue. You know, in your yard and you're pulling weeds in your yard, if you don't get the root, what happens? Comes right back. If you don't get to the root of issues in your life, it'll just keep coming back. You can mow the lawn. That's what I do all summer. I really don't have very good grass in my yard. It's really pretty sad. To be candid with you, I'm really kind of grateful that we're, we've moved into fall and getting to winter because now it's all brown and it looks great, you know, because it's all brown. But, but I got clover, I've got weeds, I've got every kind of mess in my yard that you can imagine. And what I do is I just keep mowing it. And you know, you mow it and for a couple of days it looks really good because it's all just green. But if you got real close, you'd see that there are weeds and there's clover and there's all kinds of things. And this, why is it? Because I've never got the root out. And how many people, that's what we do, Sunday after Sunday, we get a good mowing. I came to church, I got a good mowing. Boy, pastor, pastor mowed me today. Boy, that word mowed me. And you look good for a couple days. And because you never got the root out, that weed comes right back. Now, I'm happy to mow you. In fact, I'll set that mower as low as that blade will go. I, I'll cause, I'll cause it to be bald on that yard. But if I don't get the root, if God doesn't get the root, it doesn't do you any good. You got to get to the root. So that's why we come to encounters because encounter is an opportunity for God to weed your garden and to pull the root out. Number five, you got to be relentless, relentless. You know, we get in trouble when we get tired. We get in trouble when we get tired. Joshua 18.3, the children of Israel, about halfway through their, their securing of the land, and they just stop. They're weary. They've been fighting for months, literally. I mean, you can appreciate the fact that they're probably tired. 
They're tired of going to battle. They're, the women are tired of sending their men out and wondering if they're going to come back after a battle. They're tired. They're tired of losing their sons and their daughters. They're tired. And they're just, they're just wanting it to be over. And, and finally, they stop. And, and Joshua arises and actually rebukes them. And he says, how long will you sit here until you go and finish securing your inheritance? I understand. I get tired, too. All of us get tired, but you can't call a timeout when you're in a war. That's why the scripture says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's why when you're battling the enemy, you can't battle him in your flesh. You can't battle him in your natural energy. You got to get on your knees and get your face before God. And you have to arise in intercession. And that's why we preach and teach here that there's a spiritual language that can come forth. And when you don't know what to pray, you can kick into another, another language and God can intercede through you by his spirit. And you can begin to hit the mark. And sometimes that's all you got. And you're, and I'm not kidding, I have been on the edge of collapse at times. And that's when God comes through. And you know, a lot of times I think God does that, so we know it's Him. But you got to be relentless. Number six, you got to be ruthless. Joshua 10, as they're going through the land again, he gets these five kings. I got to tell you the story. I can't read all these passages. And he sticks these five kings in a cave and he says, we're going to leave them there for a while. We're going to finish the job up here. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to show you what we need to do. And so they finish warring and then they come back and they pull the kings out of the cave. And what, what Joshua does, he puts them on the ground, he puts his foot on their neck, takes a sword, and he cuts their head off. That's what the scripture says. That's pretty brutal. And then he looks at them all and he says, this you shall do to all your enemies. Now, again, you know, how do you interpret that passage? There have been moments I've wanted to interpret that passage real literally, but, I, but, but, but we don't do that. We do not do that. What he's saying is this. He's saying, he's saying this, is, this is bloody ruthless business here. And that when you're, when you're seeking your freedom and when you're securing your inheritance, you, 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 you can't just, you can't somehow make deals. You got to be ruthless. You got to be ruthless with the enemy. You got to be ruthless with your self-evaluation. Come on, we got to get down and be ruthless in how we're evaluating ourselves. We're so good at letting ourselves off the hook. And it's time we quit letting ourselves off the hook, acknowledge that we're dysfunctional, that we've got oppressions, we've got issues, but the good news is is that we can be free. All right? So you got to be ruthless and then finally number 7 you must not be lulled into sleep by relief. You know, a lot of folks come to encounter and they have their moments with God. They encounter God. And what happens is they're given momentary relief. And then they just stop right there. Now, can I just say, I love relief as much as the next person. I, I, I embrace when I have when my life is challenged and there's things that are happening and finally I reach a place of a little relief, I'm really happy because I need some relief. But you know what relief is really? Listen to this. This will help you. Relief is just a sign that you've got the enemy on the run. Now listen, he's on the run. you got to keep after him. You've got him on the run. Keep after him. Don't you see, because if you're if he's on the run and you're chasing him and you go, 
All right. I ran him off. Man, I'm just so... What, 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 you know just by that simple illustration, what did the enemy do? Here's the enemy running like this, and he goes, oh. Isn't that exactly what happens? And he comes right back. Why? Because you ran him off, but you didn't conquer him. You chased him away, but you didn't cut his head off. And for some of us, in order to get victory, we're going to have to understand that when we when we get to those moments of sweet relief, what that means is to arise and get the eye of the tiger, as Rocky would say, and finish him off. Are you following me? Don't just think relief means I don't have to deal with this anymore. All right. Relief. The enemy will regroup. And when he regroups, he becomes strategic and he'll strategically attack you again. So don't be lulled into sleep by relief. And that's why we offer encounter multiple times. And we have people who have come 5, 10, 20. This is 25 or 26, 28 for me. Hallelujah. 28 times. Every time I come, I'm still amazed at what the cross will do in my life. So, so folks, how many of you want a breakthrough? Come on. How many really want breakthrough? All right. We're going to be warriors. Amen. God's called us to be warriors. He has trained our hands for what? And our fingers for? One more time. He's trained my hands for? And my fingers for? He's trained my hands for? And my fingers for? Stand up with me, please.